Hey, this is Jason Robinson, the senior pastor at Church of the King, and I am so pumped up that you are hanging out with us today on our podcast. I pray that God really speaks to you today and that you are inspired and encouraged to take on this life for Jesus. I want to encourage you to go on over to our website at cotk.org so you can keep up to date with everything going on. But you can only learn so much through a website and a podcast. Man, we'd love to meet you. Man, come check us out on one of our weekend services. Uh, You can see all of that online as well. So God bless you, and I hope this word ministers to you today. Good morning, Church of the King. So good to see everyone here uh, on this Labor Day weekend. And uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking right off the bat, Pastor Jay, I like the blazer. So what's up with the blazer, huh? Well, well, we had, uh, for you guys that, that don't know, I don't like to wear this kind of stuff, but uh, we had baby dedication first service. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts. You get it for Christmas, Easter, and baby dedication, and that's it, Okay. So now anyway, uh, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Deuteronomy in just a second. We're in the third part of a series that we're calling That Makes Sense. This is what we've been, been talking about is in the Word of God. And when we read the Bible, it's inexhaustible, man. It's got all kinds of depth and revelation. And you can read the Bible for 50 years. And on year 51, there'll be things in Scripture that can jump out on, on you because it's, it's in exhaustible. We can look throughout scripture and see how they have prophetic books in the Bible and how they have poetic books in the Bible and all this just layers upon layers of truth and knowledge. But we also see the Bible is super practical at the same time. I had the privilege in Bible college to go to an intensive for a week and I went to this intensive in California and when I was there I didn't realize it but I signed up for the week that all the messianic Jews signed up at the same time. So it was 35 Messianic Jews and Jason Robinson. Okay, that's who, who was there. And so I'm sitting here with all these Messianic Jews. I'm asking a ton of questions throughout this whole intensive. And when I asked them some scriptures about the Bible, they told me this. They said, the first way we should take the Bible, even with all the layers it has in it, is just take it for what it says. Just take it for the practical side of what it says. That's what they, they told me. And so what we're doing is we're leaning hard into the side of just, man, that makes sense. It's just, it's really practical. And matter of fact, I've, I've walked away these last couple of weeks and man, I've had a lot of feedback in good ways. And it's not been feedback because I've impressed anybody. It's simply been, hey, the word of God handles it directly and practically equips us on how to live life better. And so that's my goal over this week, this week and next week. The first week we talked about, why am I even here on this planet? What's the point of all this stuff? Then last week we talked about friendships, how to make and maximize friendships. Now next week, I wanna talk to you about the number one thing that's keeping it, that's holding you back and keeping you from knowing God from experiencing the things of God, the number one thing that's keeping you from a healthy marriage, the number one thing that's keeping you from a great relationship with your parents, if your kid's in here, the number one thing that's keeping you from growing, the number one thing, anybody wanna know what the number one thing is? We'll see you next week, all right? And at 9.30, 11.15, and we will <laughs> we'll go there. Today, I wanna talk about something um, just super practical. Uh, I think it kind of spurred on because I knew we were doing baby dedication this morning, which we did uh, during our first service. And, and a year ago at this time, uh, also things are a little fresh in my mind because I have four children and I have a daughter, son, daughter, daughter. And my oldest daughter, a year ago at this time, we dropped off at college, okay? So I've heard about these moments, but, 
but this is, it's kind of fresh on me. And so today I want to look in scripture and talk about that. That makes sense. I want to talk today simply about how to raise godly kids in a crazy world, how to raise godly kids in a crazy world. Now, listen, if you're single in here, you know, if you're single, don't, don't check out. All right. Don't check out. You're going to learn some things along the way. If you're a grandparent in here or even a great grandparent in here, don't check out because hopefully I encourage you with some things that maybe you can encourage uh, your, your kids with or even your grandkids with as, as well. But let's jump right in scripture. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. This is what God is saying to the children of Israel. Now the children of Israel are about to cross the Jordan. They're about to cross into a land where they're serving idols. Okay, they, they, they're a pagan land that they're going into. And he wants to make sure that they still love God in the midst of a culture that is godless. How many of y'all know we're in that spot right now? How do we raise our kids to be godly in a culture that's godless? And so this is what he says. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I commanded you today, shall be in your heart. So right off the bat, God says this. It says, these commands that I've given you, they have to be in your heart. Because if they're not in your heart, you'll never be able to get it in the next generation's heart. I could come up to you and I could ask, you know, matter of fact, Clint, I'm going to ask you a question. Clint, I want you to ask me a question, Clint, if you don't mind. Ask me if I would give you $10 million. That, uh, no, you can't. Okay. No, you can't have it. Uh, it's not that I don't want to give it to you. It's not that I don't have a heart to be generous with it. The simple fact is I don't have $10 million. And so I can't give you what I don't have. Right. We cannot give our kids what we don't possess because our kids don't become what we want them to be as much as they become who we are. Also remember this, this is kind of a scary thought right here, but it's true that what one generation does in moderation the next will do in excess. And so what we model is critical to all of this. And that's what it's saying. It has to be in our heart first. And then once it's in our heart, then it goes on to say this, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. I have a passion for the next generation. I have a passion for students. I, I really do. I was a student pastor for 20 years, thought I would do it the rest of my life because I just have a passion for it. Man, I have a passion for our children's ministry. I'm very involved. Like, hey, what's going on? What are we teaching? What are we I want our kids to be raised up loving God and knowing his word. I want that. Our student ministry on Wednesday nights, man, I am passionate about making it the greatest possible experience that we can make. And we're growing and getting better and learning different things. Why? Because I want us to, to raise godly kids because I really do believe that for some of us, our greatest accomplishment will not be what we've done in this world, but it'll be who we've raised for this world. And so that I really believe that. And so today I want to just get real practical as we've been doing this whole series and look throughout scripture and look at how do we raise godly kids in this crazy world? Man, if you are a grandparent in here or maybe your kids are out of the house, then man, what can you even do right now to help, help, to help them to, to help them become everything God's called them to be? Like I said, a year ago, we dropped my daughter Mia off at college and it'll be one of those days that will live in infamy in my mind. I remember dropping her off, getting her room ready. And 
and all of this. And I remember that morning, we, we spent the night in Birmingham, Alabama. That's where she's at right now in her second year. And, and we went into her room and me and the whole family, we all got in a circle, held hands. And I started to pray for Mia. And as I started to pray for Mia, I cried and I cried and I cried. And then we got in the car and we had a 12 hour drive. And all we did for 12 hours is I went in and out of crying and thinking about her and crying. I remember I started crying at moments. I didn't even know why I was crying. I remember we were talking about what we're going to get for lunch. She's like, well, y'all want to stop for lunch? And I'm like, lunch? Mia liked lunch. You know, I mean, I had all these, these emotions are just coming. And, and a year ago, I actually, a year ago, I mean, we got back on a Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which day it was. And I had to preach that Sunday. And this is almost a year ago now. And, and I preached a message and I, and I said this in that message. I said, you know, I'm really raw in this moment, but I want to tell you a couple of things that coming back from college that I don't regret. I regret several things. Trust me. <laughs> I regret several things as a dad, but there's, there's a handful I don't regret. And I wrote it down and I went back looking over my notes as I was getting things ready. And there's six things that I wrote down and I wanted to, to start off by just sharing it again because I still stand by these few things that I don't regret. The first thing that I don't regret with my oldest sister is just, I don't regret praying for. I don't regret praying for. I don't regret just praying and asking God to, to, to capture her heart, that, that she wouldn't have a relationship with God through me, but she would have a relationship with God on her own. I remember praying that. I don't regret that. Also, I don't regret getting into my kid's world. And that's not always easy. Because a couple of my kids, they have a lot of the same interests as me. And because they have the same interests as me, it's real easy to kind of get into the world. But others, they don't so much. And so I have to work a little harder at times, you know. And it's like, hey, Dad, are you interested in this? No, but you are. And so therefore I am, you know. And, and really learning to get in the world, I don't regret that. I, I don't regret equipping myself to be a better dad. Uh, some people, they used to, kids used to be a taboo subject years ago where you don't tell people how to raise their kids. Man, I got to tell you, the generations have changed that because I was like, man, somebody please tell me how to help raise my kids. I need all the help that I can get. I, I don't regret equipping myself, be, podcasts and, and books and classes and, and even learning. I've gone to parents that I've respected on how their kids are and say, man, what'd you do? Tell me how you did that. What do you do about this situation? Hey, can I call you if I hit any snags along the road? Can I, can I do that? I, I don't regret that. I, I don't regret making them a priority. I don't regret that. Now, I want to clarify, and I think it's up on your, on your screen, uh, making them a priority, not the priority. That's pretty, I've learned that's pretty important. Because this is really what happens is, you know, every kind of build our world around our kids. This is something a lot of people do. And so we build it around, around our kids and it's whatever the kids want. At four years old, they're the king of the castle. It's like, what do you want to eat? What kind of bowl do you want? What kind of, what kind of cup do you want? And the kids just sitting there, I want the blue cup. Don't give me the green cup. Because if you give me the green cup, I'm going to throw it at you. I want the blue cup. And then we do everything. Well, what do they want to do? Well, let's go out to eat. Well, where do they want to go out to eat? A vacation. Where do they want to go? Where, do they, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And then one day we get indignant. We're like, do you think the world revolves around you? And they're like, yeah. It's pretty much how it goes. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that our children are a gift from God. They're a gift from God. That God gives it to as a gift. Some of you had a lot of kids. You might say, Lord, the gifts, you need to keep them back for a little while, all right? I got too many of those. And, and finally, a couple more things. Just I, I don't regret making the house of God a non-negotiable. 
I made it a non-negotiable. We just, hey, you're going to be, I want to put you in an environment where you can feel the presence of God. It's a non-negotiable for us. Um, and I don't regret, final one, I don't regret loving their mom with all my heart. I don't, dads, if I can just encourage you, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is love their mother. Because those kids need to know that two people they love the most love each other. It's the greatest gift you can give them. My kids don't have to worry. Actually, every once in a while, my kids be like, oh, gosh, please. Can y'all go in the room when y'all, when y'all talk to each other? It's like, it's like, you know what? That brings security. They're not worried about, about something going down, you know? They're not. So I don't regret that. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way they should go, and in the end they will not depart from it. Now, I have read the scripture for years, Okay. And you've maybe heard this scripture, maybe on a message, maybe in a book, where it says, train up your child in the way that he should go. And the way you've seen it is, man, if I, if I train them up in church, then they'll never run away from God, right? Well, we all know enough stories and heard enough experiences that we know that's not necessarily true. But this is real important because, remember, in the Old Testament, the Bible was written in Hebrew. And in the New Testament, it was written in Greek. I'll tell you why that's important, because whenever the translator would take the scripture and read it in Hebrew, they would do the best that they could to come up with English language where it would make sense. So there were some times when they, when they translated something, it's not a one-to-one. It's not exactly makes sense, and it gives a deeper meaning when you look at it. So the word here, train up a child in the way. That word way in, in the Hebrew means this. It means Bent. Train them up in their bent. Train them up in the uniqueness and the design of how God made them. God made each one unique, made it different. Let me, let me explain. I have an older sister. My, her name's Vicky. Vicky is super sensitive, okay? My dad had a booming vo- has a booming voice, and, and uh, my kids told me a couple weeks ago, they're like, Dad, your dad, Papa, kind of scares me. I'm like, that's fine, son. He scares me still, too, to this day, all right? Because he has this booming voice. And, and he would go, Vicky! And Vicky would just fall, oh, my gosh, dad, it's dad, sorry. And he would be like, that's right, go in your room. Not me. My dad would say, Jason! And I would be daydreaming. Jason! And he would literally get from the, Jason! And I'd, then I would get, he'd get my attention. He would always say this, Jason, I had to get your attention first. And it took work to get your attention because you were all over the place. He, he had to train me. I'm not talking about different principles, but I'm talking about a different approach and way for each one of our kids. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Your kid, you have a, a kid who's real sensitive. You have some who are real driven and really difficult and can be really a challenging and they're hard-headed and they're strong-willed and they're all that kind of stuff. But then you have others that are real compliant. You train them up differently. Train them up in the way, in the bent, in the gifting that they have. And in the end, they won't depart, depart from it. So, so here we are. We're, we're learning. We're going, I want to give you a little bit, a couple of statistics I think you'll find interesting. Because the generation of teenagers and younger that we're raising, we are, we are past millennials. If you're a millennial in here, we love you. You've been studied to death. All right. By sociologists and everything on the planet Earth. They've written everything in the sun all about you. But they have ceased doing studies on you guys. OK, because now we have moved into Generation Z. All right. If you have a teenager in a home, you do not have a millennial. You have a Generation Z. Matter of fact, if they're 20 or younger, you have a Generation Z uh, student that you are raising up and they are different 
than millennials. Matter of fact, every study will show you that each generation looks at the previous generation and says, I don't want to do that. And they make some adjustments. They all do. And a lot of what they think has come from the Generation Z comes from the 2008 market crashing because it's made them a lot more cautious. They've watched their millennial brothers and sisters or cousins that are a little bit older. They've watched them go get a great education and come out with $120,000 in debt. And many of them said, I don't want that. And so a lot of them are taking a different approach even towards college. Matter of fact, many studies shows that most Gen Z is, they're more likely to go directly into the workforce at, when they graduate from high school and go to school online or travel back and forth because they don't want to come out with all the debt because they saw what's happened ahead of them. So that's very common with this group. Matter of fact, parents, you should rejoice because they said 36% of millennials listen to their parents. You know what it is for Gen Z? 46% listen to their parents. We're almost 50-50, y'all, all right? We're almost there. But, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I, I could bore you to death with all the different things, but just a, just a few more. And by 2020, which is just next year, 40% of all consuming, all consumers will be Gen Z, will be what it is from 40% in our country, okay? There, 25% of America is Gen Z with 31,600, no, excuse me, 36,100 kids are born every single day. When you go to bed tonight, 36,100 kids have been born. Wow. So a lot is, is going on. A lot's happening. And so this is, this is the, here's, here's the crew we're, we're dealing with. This is who we're, we're working with. They're less likely. They're waiting longer to get their license. I didn't understand that. The day I could get my license, I had a license. And I was, and my dad was like, all right, so no, have a good time. I was gone, you know. They're just different. They're just different, you know. When I grew up, all my friends would come over and we'd play video games and we'd pass the controller around. They don't have to do that anymore. They just go in their room, they put their headphones on, and all their friends are on a chat with them as they're playing video games. I mean, it's just a different, different, different world. So how... Do we raise godly kids in this crazy, different world? I want to help give you guys a roadmap over the next few minutes. Just a simple roadmap that I think is going to really help you. Really going to help you and really practically guide you. And I have scripture to, to support each one of these areas. But here's my goal. I want to help equip you. And, and once again, raising kids is not a factory. You don't send them through a factory and they all come out the same. I like to say it this way. Raising kids is not a science. It's an art. It's not a science. Well, if I do this, 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 it'll turn out into this. It's, it's as we're painting the picture and learning, sometimes we step back and go, okay, well, I meant, okay, well, we're not, we got to come in and work on this. And it, it's different when it comes, but I want to give you somewhat of a guideline. And let me tell you how, how I came about this. I don't know if you've ever had like thought or you've thought about something, maybe journaled and read the Bible and we're thinking about, you know, and piecing things together, and maybe it's about, a, about relationships or about schooling or whatever it may be. And then you read a book or you listen to an interview and somebody helps package in wording what, what you say, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, that, that's, that's, I get that. Well, that happened to me several years ago uh, when I went to this place called J.H. Ranch. Okay, I mentioned it. I brought my son about a month ago, brought my daughter Mia a couple years ago. And what they did is they, they brought us to this ranch and they, they talked to the kids, but they talked to the parents as well and talked to them about the journey, what they call the journey of transition. I like to call it the journey to adulthood. 
Okay, and so I want to give you just four simple parts that I think is going to equip you and help you. What I call the four C's, okay? The four C's to the journey of adulthood, okay? Now, I've talked about this once before. So if you've been in church for a while, you've heard me talk about this subject before. But I think it's good to come revisit it from time to time uh, because I want to help us to grow. I want us to raise our kids. Listen, I'll tell you this. If we accomplish all this great stuff, but my kids, my kids when they leave my house, they hate God and hate me, then I have failed. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want us, man, I, I want us to have godly kids and I want us to have kids who love God. Yes, they're going to hit their bumps in the road. Yes, they're going to have their challenges, but I want them to be everything God's called them to be. And so we're going to break th- some things down and get real practical. Almost going to be, te- going to be very teachy this morning, but I want to help equip you with this. So the four C's, the four C's journey to adulthood. We're going to take a little step-by-step process and give you a little bit of insight on each. So the first step that we see as our, we, we have our children and, and we start to bring them into this journey of life, first is uh, what I like to call our caretaker. Caretakers are from birth to five years old, okay? Birth to five years old. Matter of fact, I, I kind of got some of this over the years and it's kind of helped me. Um, I wanted to get this and scan it. We tried to scan it to get it up on the screen so you guys could see it. But they, they take me through the whole thing. This is what I got when I actually went there. It has all this great stuff, you know, that, that it's, it's too much to go over. But it has some cool things even on the back. When to choose your mate, how to rate a date, all these kind of cool things and stuff. Um, and I'm going to do my best to give you some of the overall of, of this. So the first one, caretaker. The role of a caretaker is a provider, protector, and a prey. Provider, protector, and to pray. This is very physically demanding years, zero to five. Man, I remember zero to five years. Old. I remember sitting down and tell, I'm making a declaration one day saying, all I want in life is to be able to sit down for more than 60 seconds. Come on, because you always had to get up. Oh, hold on. Oh, what you're going to do? And you always had that moment where that kid would be rolling around, turn around and look at you and smile. And it's chewing something. And you're like, whoa, what you got in your mouth? A Lego. How'd that get there? Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? They go to the bathroom. You go to change it. And you're like, what did you eat? I'm just not going to tell anybody what's going on, what, what happened here. So it's all this. It's just, it's physically demanding. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. It's a lot of cleaning up. It's a lot of all those things. And I remember when Mia, I keep referring to Mia because she was my first. So my first experience uh, as the dad, I remember when, when we had Mia, correction, when Stephanie had Mia, and I cheered. You know, uh, that, that's it. So, and they put Mia in the, wherever it is, the little, it's slipping my mind, basket or whatever, you know, like a Moses, like we're letting it down. That's not what I mean. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so they had the little oxygen mask, and they put it over her, and I said, can I hold that? And I held it. And I remember holding it over me and she's just sitting there. You know, they all look like aliens. Come on, let's just be honest. They're like, you know, and they're sitting there. And I thought two things. I thought, gosh, I never knew I could love someone so much. Wow. And I thought a second thought. I thought, who in their right mind thought it was a good idea to give me a child? I felt incredibly inadequate in that moment. I did. But you know how I learned what God does? God allows us to be and feel inadequate 
And, and, and like, like we, we don't measure up at times because it brings us to greater dependence on him. As many times he allows us to feel inadequate in our own strength because it, it makes us and it pushes us to be more dependent on him. God, I need your help. God, I need help raising these children. I need help leading this church, God. God, I need help starting this business. God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not any of these things, God. And I, I, need, I need you. The Bible says in Psalms 127, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It's our caretaker. The second C that we see on our journey to adulthood is cop. So caretakers from zero to five, a cop is from five to 12. Now the role of a cop is it's a teacher, it's train to train them, to dis discipline them and to pray for them. Come on, this is when you're referee mom, referee dad. You know, stop, no, don't, if I have to get up one more time. One, two, two and a half, two or three. If you're a two and a half, two, three quarter parent, say three, get there. Come on, that's, that, that's the moment that, you know, that my dad had to put the belt of truth, you know, on my seat of understanding. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There was some of that going on, you know. Uh, I didn't pull up the scripture, but in Psalms, it says this. It says, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Do not worry, you will not kill them. And a couple of times I thought I was a dead man coming up in the house. But, but I'm telling you, it, it was training. It was, it was, it was discipline. Quit hitting your brother. Stop it. Stop it. Husbands or wives, depending on who stays home with the kids. By the way, if you get home and your wife's like, can we talk? Now, you got to remember, most men, you've used up all your words by 1.30. You get home and all your wife has said is stop. Don't. Put it down. Sit. Bathroom. Bed. Hush. No. Yes, no. Yes, no. They get home. They want adult conversation pretty badly. So just hold on. Just hold on. You know what? I've learned. I've about to learn. My wife will get going, and sometimes my wife gets going. She gets going. And if I try to join the conversation, you know, baby, I was thinking, and she just blows right past me. I just learned just to grab my little tea or whatever and just sit there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 It, it was so good having conversation with you. Mm-hmm. It was a monologue, but that's all right. You're good. It's all right. And, I just, and, and in this moment, we're, we're teaching, we're training, we're, we're showing it. Let me tell you what's important. We are establishing authority in this moment, okay? We're establishing authority. Many times a teenager becomes 16, 17 years old, and, like, and they just don't care about your authority at all. Many times it's because it was established much earlier on, authority. Let me tell you why this is important, because eventually our kids, we're going to have to do a handoff where the kids go from my authority to God's authority. And many times our kids will see God the way they've seen their parents. I'll tell you for years, that's how I was. My dad, this is what I, th I saw, thought about my dad. My dad loves me, will do anything in the world for me, but don't play with Larry Robinson. Don't play, because he ain't having it. And so do you know for many years, I saw God as God loves me. God will do anything for me, but don't play because God ain't having it. Come on, ain't having it. Good old Southern Louisiana education at its finest right there. You know, he's not having it. And so that's kind of the way I saw things because we're, we're establishing that through being the cop, 
the cop. I know, you, I know some of you are there right now. You feel like it. You feel like you're a cop all the time and it can be tiring and exhausted. Hey, hold the line. Keep it going. Keep doing that because it's going to pay off. Third, third is this, is a coach. It's a coach. From 12 to 18 is when we see them become, you, you, we really transition to coach. Now I'm here today. I want to spend a little more t- some time on this. I was a youth pastor 20 years, so I dealt with students all the time. Most of my kids are in this zone right now of, of coaching right now. And what typically happens is because we want them to do what we want them to do, we try to keep copying them when we should be coaching them. We want to cop, cop them during those years when we should be coaching. By the way, when I went to this whole JH Ranch thing, all the parents that were there, almost every one of them fell into that category. And almost every one of them said, the number one thing I needed to hear is I'm still copying my son, copying my daughter when I should be coaching him during this time. I want you to think about it for a second. This past week, the Katie High fighting tigers took down North Shore. Last year, they were the number one ranked team in the nation. This year, they're ranked number four. And we beat them on Thursday. It's a good game. We took them down, Okay. If you're not a Katie Tiger in here, we know you're jealous. It's fine, no. It's fine. And so, here, I want you to imagine for a second. Big game. You know the place was packed. People going crazy. And man, all of a sudden they have that, they have the thing they bust through, you know. It's like, beat North Shore. And they bust through. And they're all jumping on each other. They're pumped up. Coaches over there slapping them on the head. Here we go. They do the flip of the coin. And Katie's getting the ball first. North Shore lines up, they're getting ready to kick. And now the coaches are all around the kids and they're giving them one last little pep talk. Come on, we're going to take them. We're going to win them. Here we go right now. And then they break. And then instead of all the kids running on the field, all the coaches run on the field. If that happened, first of all, we'd all be like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? They're going to be more pulled hamstrings, (laughs) more hurt muscles they didn't know ever existed. Come on, man. I'm 43 years old. I know what you're saying. You don't look it. Thank you. I'm 43 years old. And there's, I've learned, my, people told me that this was going to happen. There's times that I'm like, my mind says, go do this, Jason. Then my body says, you, wait, what? What? You ain't doing that. And so imagine that they go out there and, and they're going to kick off. We're all thinking, we would think, oh man, this is going to be terrible. Yet, This does happen even all over America where our parents are going out there. Parents are going out there trying to run the plays that our kids supposed to be running the play for. Now, I know this is challenging a little bit. I know I'm pressing a little bit on something here. And and everyone's at a different place. You may have a 15-year-old who's 15 going on 12. But you might have a 13-year-old who's 13 going on 35. Why? You have to train them in the bent that they are understand where they're at in the whole mix. I just want to encourage you. And I just want you to think for a second that, man, maybe, maybe you want to put them in a position where they can start to make some decisions on their own and see what happens. That's a decision we made as, as, a, as a family. It wasn't the easiest decision. And, and time's still telling about some things, but can I tell you what I want? I don't want the first time my kid hits adversity is when they're in college. And the only person they have to ask is another 18 year old who is a freshman in college hey, dad, I had some really deep questions about who I am and all of that, but it's cool. Billy told me. Oh, I'm punching Billy. Where's Billy? I'm going to hurt Billy. So 
So, so I want to give them some. So be coaching them. Just, just, just coaches. Here we go. Okay. Because here's the thing. And even as, as they get a little bit older, and as they get a little older, 16, 17, 18 year old, those kind of years, you start to find that they have the same goals many times you do. Like you want them to be successful in life. You know, over all the years that I've prayed for my kids, I'm going to tell you, my prayers have not become more complex. They've actually become simpler. It is. I, I just ask God for a handful of things. Maybe it's 20 years and four kids of beatdown. That's just got me to the point, man. I don't just Lord pray, pay their bills in Jesus name. Just get off my payroll, please. At some point, you know, maybe that, maybe that's what it is. But, uh, but I'm just like, Lord, I just pray my kids would love you. I pray they'd marry someone that loves you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that they'd have a good job that they enjoy that can take care of the people they love and themselves. I'm just keep, keep it real simple. And so as, as they get a little older, you start to find that your goals start to match up. And, and parents, it's our responsibility to have conversations, say, okay, where, where would you like to be in two, three years? Like if you could just paint any scenario, what do you want to see? I want to be a center in the NBA. You are five foot two. Get another dream. You got to help them a little bit. You know, so, so, no, I want to, okay, okay, well, you know what? Hey, here's the deal. Here's the, if you want a good job, you're going to have to get good education. It's just the world we live in now, and so we've got to do this. So, so how do we set all this up? You want to take care of the people you care, care about, right? You want to do all that, right? Okay. So, okay, well, how do we get there? And start to lay out a path and start to help them move towards that path. Students, you want freedom in here? If you're like, I wish I had more freedom, my parents leave me alone. Let me tell you how you get it. Be real responsible with what they do give you. If you're super responsible with what they do give you, then they'll trust you to have some more freedom. Come on, parents, that was an amen. If you don't amen in church, that was a good moment to amen. It's true, though. It's true, though. And you trade those things off. You earn your freedoms by the responsibilities that you, that, that you do. It's going towards the same goal. The role of a coach is to teach, to model, to model. That's a huge one. To encourage don't save them from things, encourage them through things. Now, sometimes you got to save them. Don't misunderstand me. But if you can encourage, no, you're going to have to have that conversation. Oh, man, son, stupid coach, stupid teacher, stupid this, stupid that. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, go talk to him. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, 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 you're going to go talk to him now. Okay. I remember I never complained to my dad about somebody. No lie. Never. I'll tell you why. There was one time I was complaining about my youth pastor because I was stupid. All right. But I was complaining about my, I was 15. My like, youth pastor, man, is this, you don't care about us. And my dad said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, hold on one sec. He went and got the phone. Hey, uh, Shane, can we come talk to you? I was like, hold on, hold on, dad. No, no, I won't do none of that. Hold on, dad. He's like, oh, no, no, oh, oh no, it's no, Jason, we're going to talk to them hung up the phone, drove to the church, walked up there, he goes, sit down, Jason got to talk to you about a few things. He has some challenges. I'm like, oh, you, uh, you're really great. <laughs> Ain't what you said, tell him what you really mean. That was my dad. <laughs> Didn't process with him again. One of those things, let's just put it that way, you know. But training and teaching to do these things, hey, encourage them. And then obviously praying, praying for them. He, I, I, this is so critical actually got it from this little chart that I, that I had mentioned earlier and held up to you guys. 
A father, they were focusing on the fathers and this one said, a father becomes successful through adversity. Then when six, with his success, he banishes from his children's lives the very thing that made them successful. Wow. Wow. And I want us to be careful during this time that we don't give our kids everything, then they never have to look to God. Because if we give them everything, then, we, then we've provided and they never have to look to God for anything. We've made ourselves God to our kids. And the final one, I close with this, is a consultant. When they're 18, and who knows, maybe they move out the house, maybe they're going to school while they're in the house, whatever it may be. So first, you're a caretaker. You're taking care of everything. Secondly, a cop. Stop. No. Yes. Then you're a coach. Hey, you're coaching them along. Hey, go have that conversation. Hey, go do that. Hey, go do that. Okay, you can do it. You can do this. I don't really want to do that. I know you don't, but you can do it. Come on, let's go. Hey, going to interview for a job. Hey, so what are you going to say now? Okay. All right, so then what do you say? Okay, then what do you say? Then what do you do that? You know, so I'm telling you, coaching's hard, man. Sometimes you're like, man, it's much easier for me to play the game. Trust me, wait till, you're, wait till your child's ready to start driving for the first time. First time Mia drove, almost had a heart attack. She slammed on the brakes too hard. I had my dog. The dog jumped out the window. Thought we killed the dog. That was the first time I rode around with Mia. Now, Mia's my, Mia's my let's go climb the mountain. Let's go Mount Everest. Let's go to, across the world and preach Jesus to the people who want to kill you. Hold, slow your roll, Mia. You know, that's Mia. My son is real cautious, you know. So Mia, I'm like, slow down. Slow down. Trent, I'm like, speed up. Speed up. First time I'm going, my heart's beating. And now they have all those... Those, those little circle turns right there, those stress me out, y'all. It's like, listen, if you're on the outside, you have to yield. If you're on the inside, you just keep going, all right? All right just keep working through that whole thing. And just, oh, I know it's hard. But then finally, as a consultant, we see 18 and up. And, and just some of the things we, we continue to pray. Be available to them. Encourage them. That's the role of a, of a consultant. This is my first year to really be kind of like this consultant role, and it's been pretty cool, to be honest with you. It's funny how two years ago, I was the stupidest man on the face of the earth. I didn't know nothing. Now I am the smartest man on the face of the earth. So come on, parents, if you are dumb in your kids' eyes, it's coming around. You're about to have a PhD in their eyes. Okay, it's coming. They're like, man, they're not so stupid, you know? Soap doesn't magically appear anymore. I have to do something about that. That's right. You know, so I remember my, my, my daughter, when she first got her first job, she was like, somebody told me I, I, I know how much money I make an hour. And then I got my check and it wasn't as much as they said it was. And then somebody said it was Uncle Sam. I know who Uncle Sam is, but I don't want him. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. With being consultant, there's times you just make yourself available. And I, I've added two things to the list over the past year of just experience of what I've learned. And, and it's the role of a consultant. Pray, be available, encourage. By the way, kids, I, this scripture that I, I failed to read on, over the last point says Isaiah 30, 21, but I want to make sure I say this. It says, when you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Students, let me encourage you. No one wants you to win in your life more than your parents. By the way, parents who have parents, in other words, the grandparents. No one wants you to win more than them. My mom and dad still to this day, no one wants me to win more than them. And so man, when, you, when they say something, pay attention. 
pay attention. I added these two things to the consultant because I've just seen it by experience. Pray, be available, encourage. But here's another one. Don't let them fall off a cliff. You see them heading towards the cliff? Don't just say, well, just let them fall. There's certain things you got to let them fall on. But there's, there's been a handful of moments where I've had to call and say, Mia, you get away from that situation. You get away. It's going to drag you down a path that you don't, don't want to go down. Do not get out of that situation. And I've only done that. I don't pull that card many times. I pulled it twice. And both times within a month, it revealed itself and showed what it was. And she's like, oh, wow, Dad, you're so smart. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and this is another one that I've had to learn. Continue. Don't just wait till they're 18. But I wrote this thing. You help bring definition to your child, especially in this case, because there's been a couple moments where some other 18 or 19 year old has tried to say, Mia, I think you're such and such. And there's been times I'd say, hey, Mia, I know you better than anyone else. You are not that. You are this. They don't know what they're talking about. You're this. Now, there have been a couple moments where I said, Dad, I can't believe they said that I do, I do this. And I'm like, man, I told you that for seven years. Finally heard it. But just to love them, this is what the scripture says in Matthew 18, verse 12. Jesus is talking about this. And most of you will be familiar with the song, even if you're not familiar with the scripture. What do you think? If a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Now watch this. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Let me encourage you, parents, grandparents, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to our kids even when we are not. Even when we are not. It's crazy how it takes faith to accept Christ. And we understand that. It takes faith to believe for miracles and God opens the doors. And we understand that. It takes faith to, to give, to give our tithes and our offerings and trust God that he can do more with the 90 than I could with the 100. It takes faith for all that. But many times we take the faith away when it comes to our kids. It takes faith to raise kids. It takes faith to believe. I'm believing God speaking to my kids when I'm not even around. And why is this so important? Because I, I, want, I want to run my lap so well, but I want when it's time to hand that baton off to my kids that they don't have to take the baton and go back and start where I started, but they can start where I left off. Okay, take it from here, Mia. Take it from here, Trent, Ella, Elise. Take it further than mom and dad ever could. You run. Man, I want our church not just to be a church with good families, but a generational church that our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids' kids can raise people to know, to know God. I want to pray for you. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you now. Father, I ask, Lord, for us. Lord, I ask just right now for a, a special anointing, a fresh anointing upon every parent and every grandparent in here, Lord Jesus, to raise godly kids, to raise godly, godly men and women. Father, I pray for many that are tired even. That God, just refresh their soul right now. Refresh their strength, Lord Jesus, to be all you've called them to be, Lord. Father, I also, I, it's on my heart to pray for 
single moms, single dads. Lord, I just pray, God, I, I can't even imagine that they're trying to be a mom and dad right now. The difficulty of that. I, I'm just asking your grace would come upon them. The peace of God would rest upon them. Father, if they're lacking a dad, God, I pray that, that godly men, God, in church, Lord Jesus, maybe a coach would get, get around them, Lord God. Lacking a mom, that, that the, the women of God would, would rally around that young lady, that young man, and help show them, Lord. Father, I'm just asking, Lord, even there might even be some out there that they've wanted kids, but it's not looking good. God, I just pray we stand with them and we believe with them, God, that you're going to touch them. And just like Hannah with Samuel said, I will commit him back to you, God. You gave him. He became the greatest prophet that history's ever known. I pray that you'd be with it, God. Help us, Lord God, to raise kids in a godly way, God. Help them to raise in the way that you would want us to raise. And God, in whatever season we're in, maybe even some parents are looking back and thinking, you know what? I wish I'd have done this. I wish I would have done that. Lord, I thank you, God, that you've been, you've been straightening up our mess-ups our whole lives. God, and I pray, God, your grace would shore that up. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I'm going to let you go in just a second. But I had mentioned uh, this is a pretty cool thing. I wanted to get scanned and up on the, on the board here. It has all kinds of stuff here. It'll walk through a little bit what we, um, I talked about today and some different things and some cool things on the back. Well, I called JH Ranch this past week and I asked him, said, Hey, I really want to give one to all of our, one for every family in here. And so they were able to rush order some. So on your way out, I have one for every single one of you out here. Okay. And so if you're a grandparent in here, take one too, give it to your kids. You're welcome to do that. Um, we should have, we should have enough. Uh, I think I got enough for, for everybody. So if one per family could take it, this is a great little play sheet for something for you to look over and scan over and take a look at and something to refer back to back and forth. So I wanted to bless you with that so that you guys could have that on the way out of here. But let me pray for you and I'll let you go in just a second. If you are part of the prayer team, man, we'd love for you to come forward and we'd love to pray for you, anything you may have. Maybe you have a loved one. Maybe you have a student that's far away from God and you want someone just to pray and believe with you. We wanna encourage you to do that. Also, uh, if, if you've signed up for Next Steps, we'll meet in about 15 minutes in that back, back room all the way, uh, walking past the kids area there. And uh, if you didn't sign up, but you want to join, come on back there. We have lunch for you. You'll love it. So, Father, I just come right now. I thank you for your people. God, I thank you that your favor surround our people like a shield. God, I pray there would be a fresh anointing. God, I pray there would even be, this would help mark our church, Lord Jesus. That say, hey man, you get, you get plugged and connected in there, man. And they got so many great things for our kids and they teach you and train us how to raise godly kids. That that would be something that would mark us, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that everyone would find this, this uh, extended weekend to be refreshing to their soul, Lord God. And Father, we just ask, Lord God, anoint us for your power and your might that we would extend your kingdom in all we do till we see each other next week. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand real quick? Come on, one more time. Love you guys. Don't forget to grab one of these on the way out. You are dismissed.